We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, September the 29th, 2020. On today's show, Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every single Tuesday to break down South Carolina's 31-27 to loss to the Tennessee Volunteers. We'll talk offense, defense, special teams, Will Muschamp, Colin Hill, the outlook for this team after one game. Also, we'll give a brief look ahead of this weekend as South Carolina looks to bounce back against the Florida Gators, the Gamecocks, taking the road trip to Gainesville this weekend. We'll break that game down in its entirety. Before we get to everything, this is a podcast to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, at MyBookie, we are in the middle of football season, college football, NFL, playoffs are underway for all the major sports, and at MyBookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At MyBookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL. Again, like I said, MLB playoffs are starting up. NBA playoffs are starting up. There's all types of stuff. It doesn't have to be sports. You can literally bet anything. The craziest sports time of your lifetime is here. It's simple, guys. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, invest in your intuition, select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to MyBookie.ag. That's MyBookie.ag. Use promo code GAMECOCKS. Again, MyBookie.ag. Promo code GAMECOCKS, and you're going to double your first deposit. Guys, new players get to $1,000 in free play. So listen, you go to MyBookie.ag, put in promo code GAMECOCKS, you put in 1000 bucks. they are going to match that and give you $1,000 of free play money to play with. So that means you can bet that 1000 If you lose it, guess what? doesn't matter. If you win, that money stays in your account. Guys, it's a win-win for you guys. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands across sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Again, guys, that's our friends over at MyBookie. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks. MyBookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Let's get it.
on the Spurs Up Show as he does each and every single Tuesday. Former Gamecock football player Alex McGrath, obviously jumping on the show today to help break down South Carolina's heartbreaking 31-27 to loss to the Tennessee Volunteers. Alex, as always, appreciate you tuning in. I'll ask you first when we get to the game, how was your weekend? How did everything go outside of Carolina football? It was it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. Got to got to play a little member guest uh, down at Yamens Hall with one of my buddies. So we had a great great time down there. Uh, only to let the weekend slip away late Saturday night. So you know that's, <laughs> that's, that's typical life of a Gamecock fan. Though, yeah, so I, I, I was going to say very very typical. Sounds like a uh, very casual weekend for sure. Um, let's go ahead and dive into it. Like we joked last week, Alex, we were going to have a lot to talk about no matter what with this Gamecock football team, and it just seems like. Drama follows this group, and you know, I want to start. I want to start with the positives. I do want to try to start with the positive because I was sitting there Sunday afternoon, Alex. Obviously, it's a very sobering thing when you're sitting there the day after and you've had time to really process and analyze. And you know, I was sitting there, and there are positives to pull from this game. That's kind of the weird thing. A lot of the losses I feel like in the Muschamp era it just felt like one big negative. There are a lot of positives, in my opinion, to pull from the offensive side of the ball, and I want to start. Colin Hill, um, I really thought him being QB1, I thought he gave me exactly what I expected. Guy looked like a leader. He knew the offense. He was in command of the offense. Was he perfect? No. But if he'd have told me he'd have thrown for 290 yards in his first career start in the SEC, first career start for South Carolina, I think everybody would have signed up for that. Had the nice touchdown throw. Again, I know he had the pick. He's got to be better, but kind of a freak play. Overall, I thought he played well. I thought Shy Smith, who – I had posed that question all offseason. Is he ready to be the number one wide receiver? He's never done it. He looked electric on Saturday night. And I think in the backfield, you have enough there. Um, again, none of those guys are Marshawn Lloyd, but I think you have enough there to where you can get some productivity out of the backfield. So, again, starting off on a positive note, and, again, it was not perfect because the offensive line, there's a lot there to be desired. I mean, I talked about on the show. I don't think South Carolina is going to win a football game this year where, where it doesn't rush for over 100 yards. You rush for 89 yards against Tennessee. Just talk about what you saw from the offense as a whole as far as Colin Hill, the Colin Hill to Shy Smith connection. Um, you know, and if you want to dive into things you want to see more of as well, but what did you see that you like, dislike about the offense as a whole on Saturday night? I mean, I, I thought, I mean, obviously they came out of the gates in a great way, you know, getting that opening touchdown drive. So that was incredibly positive to see. I, I mean, I have absolutely no idea what happened between there and about midway through the third quarter. Mm. But, you know, that opening touchdown drive was a good thing to see and something we didn't see a ton of last year. Um, secondary to that, Shai Smith played out of his mind and looked fantastic. Um, you know, he's certainly somebody that was had to step up, and he did in a big way. So those are the two positives, you know, I've, I've taken out of it. You know, obviously, you know, Tanner Muse had that uh, drop there towards the end. Mm which would have been a big first down. I thought he played well. Running back seemed – I mean, we didn't rush the ball well by any stretch of the imagination, but they weren't putting us in big holes either. Uh, offensive line there in the middle of the game definitely left something to be desired. But, you know, the two takeaways were you, we had an outstanding opening drive and, you know, Shaq Smith played out of his mind, which was awesome to see. Yeah, and I want to say on the flip side of that coin, Alex, because, again, obviously there's, there's positives from this game. There's obviously a ton of negatives anytime you lose a game like this. What was shocking to me was just how bad the offensive line played. And I know they played a lot better in the second half, but again, you finish with 89 yards rushing. You give up four sacks on Colin Hill. He was under duress, you know, a, a fair amount of the night for sure. I mean, I would say the pick six was a, a, a you know, contributed him being under duress, obviously contributed to that. So 
I, I was Certainly, shocked. No, I wouldn't put that pick six on him. Right, right. I, I'm, I'm just saying I, I was shocked with how bad the offensive line played when we heard all offseason. I truly believe this was going to be a strength of the South Carolina football team. And it might, might, it might end up being. Again, I thought they played better in the second half. But it's like I just told you, and I ask you, would you agree that one of my biggest things, this team has got to get better as far as running the football. I mean, again, a Mike Bobo offense, you, I just don't think it's realistic to go week to week to week asking Colin Hill. I mean, he threw the ball 39 times. I mean, if you'd have asked me before the game over under 35 and a half or what, whatever the number you wanted to give me for passes for Colin Hill, no chance when he's going to get the 39 passes. And sure enough, he did Saturday night. And I mean, again, you had to do it and you scored 27 points. And I, I do believe 27 should have been enough to win. But I think for this team, for this team, Alex, to have any type of success, if you're going to bounce back to have any type of success in the long run offensively, it's got to start up front for this team. Certainly. I mean, and, and especially if, if, you know, we're going to go out there and preach, you know, we've got to have a balanced approach. And I think it was, you know, somewhere in the beginning of the fourth quarter, the SEC network announcers, you know, showed that graphic. We're 35 and 35. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if that's what we are going to do, certainly we've got to get better in that aspect. But at the same time, you know, it didn't really seem to be where we were having a ton of success either. Yeah. Uh, so it's just trying to juggle that obviously is, you know, what you want to do, but you know, when, you know, you got live bullets flying over your head, you got to kind of adjust in there. And I guess, you know, to your point, I don't know that I would have expected Colin Hill to come out and throw almost 40 passes but at the same time, I don't know that I would have expected us to, you know, rush the ball 35 times for two and a half yards of rush either. So, who's to say on that? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think the big thing, Alex, is, you know, we, we talked about, or at least I talked about all offseason. I know we talked last week about my, my fears of the offense and what, what, you know, what my biggest concerns were going into kickoff of the offense. And it's so funny. I talked to somebody at halftime of the game Saturday night, and really after the game, you could say the same thing, though. It was almost like, my fears were coming to reality in the sense that you watch this offense. And again, we've talked about the positives. I think with Colin Hill, if he has a clean pocket, he's got a really good arm. He showed a lot of zip. There's no question to me, you know, and again, we, I don't want to get into the whole Halinski versus Hill because believe it or not, I'm sure you've seen on social media, there are still people that are like, Hey, are we ever going to put Halinski in? When's Halinski going to go in? I'm like, guys, this is Colin Hill's team. I, I, I don't know what you want me to say. This is Colin Hill's team. Unless he gets hurt, Colin Hill is going to be, especially if he continues to play like the way he did Saturday night. Colin Hill's your guy moving forward. I mean, I don't, I don't, don't expect to see Ryan Linsky get in. This is not Steve Spurrier. We're not going to be interchanging quarterbacks. But again, I like what I saw from Colin Hill. I like Shy Smith overall as a weapon. I, I think he's probably going to have a good season. Um, and again, I think there's capable bodies in the backfield. But my biggest fear came to reality in the sense that there just are not a lot of playmakers on this offense. They're just not outside of Shy Smith. There's yeah, I, I disagree with that. You, you don't think so? Well, see, here, here's my – I guess I, I would say specifically at wide receiver. I like Xavier Leggett as a two option. My biggest fear moving forward, though, two wide receivers, two touch the football. You have to think at some point, for example, we're going to talk about the Florida game in just a second, but they're going to key in on yeah. Shai Smith. You're not going to be able to force feed it to him. He had 10 catches Saturday night. I mean, he's not yeah. going to do that every single week. So, again – I think there are athletes on this offense. I mean, you know, Luke Doty didn't even see the field. Dak Joyner didn't touch it. Rico Powers, I know, got targeted but didn't touch it. There are other guys that can get the football for sure, but as far as proven playmakers, that's where you're lacking. And I just, I guess it concerns me, Alex, moving forward, that, again, 
these SEC defensive coordinators, they make a lot of money. <laughs> They're paid a lot of money to scheme up defenses. And I have to believe, starting this week, certainly, teams are going to say, okay, we're going to take away Shy Smith, beat us in a different way. And I guess what worries me is who, who's going to be the guy? Who are going to be the guys? Who are going to be the playmakers that are going to step up for this South Carolina offense? Yeah, and I, I share that, and I, I'm I'm with you there. Just because you know you, Xavier and Shire are obviously really good players that you can depend on at the receiver position. Like what concerns me, and what I think happened between that opening drive and then kind of how the flip got script and we were moving the ball much better in the second half was it somehow turned into a lot of dives and tunnel screen looking plays from Bobo, and like my fear. And we talked about this last week. It's just kind of like, what are we getting with Bobo? Like, are we going to run this kind of pro-style conservative action? Mm. And, you know, going back to kind of talking about the Ryan thing is like, you know, you got to trust the guys that you trust to get out there and run the plays the right way. And so when I think of like Luke Doty not getting a snap or, you know, Dak Joyner not getting any targets, Mm. did Josh Mann have any targets? He did not. There was one play I remember specifically where Colin Hill was rolling out and he had Josh Van wide, over, wide open over the middle but just didn't pull the trigger. But, no, Van was not targeted. He was not targeted the whole Okay, night. and so, like, those are, like, five quality options that you could target somewhere. And, again, you know, look, we, we just went through an entire preseason of, like, COVID restrictions, so obviously you're limited. It's, I think, I mean, I don't know what the practice schedule was, but in some capacity you're going to be limited on what you can do. So it's like, all right, well, get him out there. See what you got. Throw him on the ball. Like, put it down the field or, you know, just throw them in there because you're not going to know what you got until you let them go through that. And it's the hesitancy to even do that that actually that is concerning to me. I mean, look, Colin played well, I thought. Um, you know, he's got great zip on the ball. But, you know, you're looking at the stat sheet and looking at all that, I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like an overwhelming difference from Walensky. But at the same time, if he knows the offense better and can make those adjustments at the line, then he needs to be the guy right now. But on the back end of that, not ha- given Doty, Dak, mm. a, you know, Josh Van targets is yeah. what's concerning. Yeah. And it's I, like, you know, it, like, I don't think those guys forgot how to play football between high school and now. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, I've seen a lot of, again, fans saying that, oh, you know, Colin Hill just goes the same guy over and over again. But my biggest thing is, like, you know, again, you mentioned those guys that they're qual- – but I, on the flip side, I'm like, who else does he have to throw to, really? I mean, you know, Sha Smith is the yeah. go-to guy. I mean, I'm not saying – you know, and it's – it's I didn't see – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you saw it differently. I, I did not see Colin Hill put the ball in harm's way a ton. I, like, I didn't feel like there were – a ton of throws where I was like, wow, he should not have thrown that ball. Like, a lot of times yeah. he was going to smart shot Smith, the guy was wide open. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like he was throwing in tight coverage. So, I mean, listen, I, I'm Correct. of the thought process, just thinking ahead of this game with Florida. If they're going to give it to you, take it. Shaw Smith's an athlete, and he showed Saturday night he can take a five-yard slant and turn it into a 30-yard touchdown. I mean, he, he's that type of athlete. But, again, I just wonder – what are you going to do when a defense locks in and says, we're going to double him, you got to beat us with somebody else? I'm just curious as to who he will, who he will, will go to. I, I think it all really comes back to, though, Alex, offensively, is South Carolina has to shore it up in the, on, on the offensive line. That was the most maddening part to me is, I'll be honest, at times it felt like Tennessee was just the more physical team. It looked like they just wanted it more. They, they, they were obviously bullying South Carolina around at the point of attack. And, again, you're asking Colin Hill to do so much 
with limited resources when you cannot run the football effectively. Yeah, I mean, you, you I mean, yes, you are. Um, but it's, I, I don't know. I, I kind of just fall into the camp of like we've got these guys standing there on the sideline. Right. So we can put them in. That's fine. But we got to be creative in getting the ball to them instead of relying, you know, purely on throwing those quick slants or posts of Jack Smith. So it's it, to me, it, it's more of a scheme thing, especially going up against somebody like Florida who gave up, you know, six hundred thirty-four yards to yeah. Ole Miss this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that opportunity is going to be there. Mm. So, like, obviously, you know, if Lane Kiffin can go in there and scheme it up to, you know, basically steamroll Florida on the offensive yeah. side, like, you know, we've got to be able to come back behind that and say, okay, how did they do this? How do we get the ball in our fastest guy's hands? How do we get the ball to Dak in that tunnel screen instead of maybe throwing that to shot? I'm not saying we need to take possessions away from him, but at the same time, like, we've got to figure out how to get that, how to spread that ball around because. You're 100% right. This is what almost every DC in the SEC gets paid a million bucks a year to do is figure out, okay, this is their go-to guy. Let's double him, isolate him over here, bump him off the line, do anything to get him out of his rhythm so they can't just continually do that. But how many, how many sacks did we give up Saturday? Four. Four, four sacks. Four. Yeah. That's not awful. It's not great. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's not awful, not great. I mean, it's kind of right in the yeah. middle. Yeah, and the run, like, you know, averaging 2.7 yards a carry is infinitely more troubling than that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. obviously, that's something we need to address. And that's, it could be a scheme thing. I would like to think it's not an offensive line problem, but who's to say? Yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense of like a Dak Joyner, like a Josh Van, or like, like I said, Rico Powers, or whoever it may be. You just got to get guys more touches because you at least got to keep the defense honest. I mean, we all know, everybody knows you're going to go to Shot Smith, but you just got to keep the defense honest that, like, hey, there are other there are other guys here uh, that will burn you because my, my my biggest thing, Alex, and again, you mentioned the two point seven yards per carry rushing. I think you asked what happened from the first drive to the middle of the third quarter. Well, I thought the biggest problem was you got into a lot of third and longs, and, and I talked about this before the game. You're just not good enough to play from behind the sticks. You know, when you're getting into first and fifteens or because of a penalty, or you're getting into more like second and twelves or you know second and fourteens or whatever. This team, to me, is just not good enough to operate from third and seven or longer. It's just, it's just not. There's not enough weapons. And, and, I mean, you can really say that about almost any offense. I mean, when you can get to third and fours, third and threes, third and twos, you just, you just open the playbook up so much more. Your, your, your possibility conversion, that percentage goes up so much higher. So, it'll be interesting to see because I think it's going to be a week-by-week thing. Again, what other weapons do step up for this Carolina offense? Now, Alex, let's talk about defense because – I, I did. I, I did make the pointless show because right after the game, I made the I made the statement that I'm pinning this loss on the defense, and, and I still do hold the defense extremely responsible because I just genuinely feel you score 27, you should win. Bottom line, you score 27 against a Tennessee team that's they're not glamorous offensively. I, I mean, you want to hype them up yeah. all you want. That's they're, they're 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 not a juggernaut. They're, they're an okay team. They're kind of like South Carolina, in my opinion. Year five of Will Muschamp. And I'm not saying it's all negatives. I thought J.C. Horn locked down his side of the field. I, I like what I've seen from guys like J.J. Nigbari, Aaron Sterling. Like, there are nice pieces on this defense. But year five of Will Muschamp, Alex, and everybody knows how we feel about Will Muschamp, but year five of his they tenure, do. and the defense is still average. That's troubling to me. That, and, again, it's only one game. Maybe this season goes out and, you know, you go out against Florida and throw up some dominating performance. You never know. It's a, I mean, you never know. College football, you never know. But – Israel McQuamu goes out in the second half. 
The secondary really as a whole, the entire game, looks extremely average, extremely average outside of J.C. Horn. You're, you're making foolish mistakes, and that was another big problem I thought on Saturday night was the discipline of the football team. But you're making these small mistakes. And then the big thing, like I told you, Alex, I don't think South Carolina can win a football game where it does not win the turnover margin. And what do you know? Tennessee gets two turnovers off you. You get zero. You're not able to force any yeah. turnovers. You're not, you're not able to force Jarrett Garantano to make those bad decisions like we talked about and get those big plays, those, those amending type, changing type of plays. And, you know, a lot of fans have come to me and said, well, Chris, the offense scored 27. The defense only gave up 24. I understand seven of it was on a pick six. But that happened so early in the game. I mean, really, yeah. what, what, what the, the microcosm of this game and, like, the frustrating part for me, the opening series of the second half, Tennessee takes the ball and shoves it down your throat and, and, mm-hmm. and just takes momentum. I mean, the fact South Carolina came back in that game, I, I'd say kudos to Carolina for fighting because they could have they packed it up right there, in my opinion, to be totally honest with you. But this defense – you take a look at this defense. I'll just ask you, I guess, because obviously to me, I said coming in this season, if the defense does not take a jump from average to above average to maybe even elite, that to me is going to be a bigger indictment on Will Muschamp than anything offensively because you knew what you were signing up for on the offensive side of the ball. But for the defense to not be a strength in year five, and again, got a long season ahead, but from what we saw on Saturday night, the defense is yet again a problem. How troubling, how concerning is that for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's concerning for sure that you haven't, I mean, again, to your point in year five, how do you not have any depth behind McQuamu and Horn? Hmm. Because I mean, Tennessee, and, you know, again, I, I don't, you know, I'm not calling these guys out like they're wild, but it's called a spade a spade. Tennessee was picking on Jamie Robinson all night. I'm picking on him all night long. Yeah. I, in some respects, yeah, but I mean, like you know, at the same time, like they went one for twelve. Oh, on third, third yeah, down. South Carolina third down efficiency was fantastic. I mean, yeah, phenomenal. Like and, and the and truthfully, the troubling part of that to me is more like <laughs> I'll say this: like Garantano can on the field, he just doesn't, mm-hmm. and so like you know, he sailed balls. That well, he was high all night. He was high all night, yeah. And so, like, even with that, to kind of leave ourselves in the positions we left ourselves in is what's troubling today. Mm. Like, they didn't – like, Tennessee didn't do anything spectacular that entire night mm. and managed to get 24. Mm. So, that's what's, that's what's troubling to me. They didn't do anything special. They hit that – I mean, that one touchdown pass he threw, that was a good ball. There's nothing you can do about that. That was just – just good throw. It's good play. Um, but you know, other than that, they weren't doing anything special. Like they don't have a you know special player out there that's going to make a ton of guys miss right, or right. anything of that nature. And it's just like that's what's trouble, especially in year five. Yeah, I, I mean, I just you know, again, I, I <laughs> it's so funny, Alex. We we both see social media, and you know, people. I, I said this Sunday afternoon is that. You know, if you if you if you try to blame players, you're an insensitive asshole. If you try to blame the coaches, you're negative. So to me, I'm like, well, who do you want to blame? Who does it fall on? Because I look at the defensive side of the ball, and I genuinely believe there's talent there. I mean, you go down the list of just the guys that are starting, and it's four star, four star, four star, five star, high three star, four star, five star. There's talent all over the field. It's just like how how can this defense not be 
any better than it was because, again, I, I totally understand. They gave up 24. You scored 27. But in a game like that, in the second half, if you truly do have an elite defense, your defense finds a way to make a stand and win you a football game. That, that, that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm being too hard on them. Maybe I expected too much coming in this season. But I just, you know, I, I think back to – and, again, it's unfair to compare this team to any of those Spurrier teams that won all those games. But when South Carolina was winning big football games and winning big time, you had an elite defense. I mean, that's what people forget. You think about Spurrier and the fun and gun and the throwing it all over the field, but the defense was what won you football games. And I really just thought, I guess, coming into this game that, you know, people, people were giving me their score prediction saying, oh, you know, 31 to the, 30 to this. Or I'm like, I just believe in this defense so much more than that to think they'll give up 31 or even 24. And here we are. I mean, just it, it, I guess it just really surprised me. I, I really thought we could lean on this defense. To, and this was one of those games, Alex, that I talked in the preseason, preseason when I said, you're going to need your defense to go win you a football game. Like, you just are. There's going to be games this year where your defense has to step up and win you a football game. And I just think that in year five, I mean, again, it goes game-by-game basis. But against this Tennessee team, 27, in my opinion, it should have been enough. It just should have been enough. You should have been able to get a big-time stop in the second half, a turnover, whatever. And it just never happened. It, it just never happened. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I 100% agree with you from a, I mean, especially from like a talent perspective. Like, you know, at least according to the recruiting services, we got plenty of talent yeah. to put this thing together. And so when you're asking like where it falls, it falls on Muschamp. Like, yeah. he's in charge. He signed off on this. This is his defense in, in year five. That's where the Bucks got to stop. Now, it's Alex, not, you know, it, now, I, I was gonna, we'll get better. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was going to ask you because I think this is funny. We might actually disagree here, which would be interesting, or, or we might have some different views on this. But I want to take you back. Fourth quarter, four minutes to go. South Carolina's fourth and twelve. They decide to kick the field goal. Right. What was, what was your immediate reaction? Did you hate the call? Love the call? I'm curious to know what was your thought process when they decide to kick the field goal. You go down four. You're basically saying. We're going to lean on our defense with three timeouts, try to get the football back and go win the game. What was your thoughts on that? I hated it. I know via social media that you liked it, so let's <laughs> let's argue. Well, and so here's the thing. It's not like I loved it. I understood it. And if – all right, here's, the th- here's what I'll say. If it was fourth and two, if it was fourth and four, like if it was fourth and manageable, I would say, I would have hated it. But the way I – this is just the way I viewed it. Because you, you have to believe in your defense. I mean, you just have to. You really do. I, I, that's what I think, at least. I think you have to believe in your defense. If you believe in these guys, and you got to believe. But you have all three timeouts. There's four, to me, it would have been much more demoralizing had you gone down the field, went for it, and not got it and got nothing out of the drive and then had to stop them. Then at least you get three. And you have the opportunity to stop Tennessee and get the ball back. And it's not like the NFL where the clock's going to run. If you get a first down, the clock's going to stop. So you have much, much – a minute and a half is a long time in college football. So even with no timeouts. If they'd have went for it, I wouldn't have hated the call. I mean, obviously, I, I love being aggressive. And, but I guess I just acknowledge that fourth and 12, man, you're probably not going to get it anyways. So – and, I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it did technically work. I mean, you were going to get the ball back. You know, if again, if not for the the, the blunder on the uh, on the punt, but I, I I understand both sides of it. I'll say that. I mean, I, I wasn't. I'm not one of these people trying to argue because I know there are some that like this is the only way or this is the right way. 
I totally see it from your side because I think the biggest thing, the biggest problem with it, it's just so much champ. It's so conservative. It, you know what I'm saying? It fits yeah. him so well to kick a field goal down seven with four minutes left. It's like a field goal. You feel like at that point does you no good, but I understand it saying, Hey, we're going to cash in on three. We have all three timeouts. We're going to lean on our defense. I had a bigger issue with calling a timeout after an eight yard run on first down mismanaging that whole situation after Tennessee had gotten the ball. But again, because you would think I'd be, I'd be all over Muschamp for that, but I really wasn't. I was like, I understand the call. I, I think it's – I could justify it being the right play in that situation. So, Michael, so my rebuttal back to you would be, what did you gain by kicking the field goal? Well, I mean, here's the thing. So, what, what, what yard line? You're at the – you were like the 30, correct? I think you're at like Tennessee's 30 in that scenario? Correct. Okay. So, again, the, if you get the fourth and 12, then this is a – you're right. It's the greatest call of all time. If you don't get it, they start at the 30 and you have three timeouts and you're down seven and have to make a stop. Instead, you right. kick it off and they start at the 25 and you're down four and you have – so, I mean – I guess you gain that if you get the ball, you can go win versus tie it. I mean, I mean that's but like the, here again. My biggest thing, Alex, is I just don't think you're going to get it anyways. It's fourth and twelve. Like it's not fourth and three. You know what I mean? Like if it's fourth and six or shorter, you go for it. My here, if you want to really argue, here's where the big problem is. Why do you run a screenplay on third and fifteen? I mean. Get yourself into fourth and – I can't talk about that. Yeah, get yourself, <laughs> get yourself into a fourth and manageable where you can really justify going for it. Because, again, to me, on fourth and 12, you're just so limited as far as options are concerned. I mean, yeah, and, but, well, again, yeah. to your point, I hear what you're saying. I, I do hear what you're saying because in the long run, guess what? You, you lost the game anyways. I mean, it, it didn't – you know, in that, in that scenario, you could have said, you know what, screw it. We're going to go win or loss right here. We're not going to put it in the defense's hands because we know we haven't stopped Tennessee tonight. So, Well, it's not, it's not even really it's not even really saying screw it. We're going to win or lose this right here because you're really putting yourself in the exact same situation of, like, if you don't get it, okay, well, we got to stop them. we got three timeouts, and then we just have to go score. So, it, it, like, Matt, the only thing that changed mathematically was, you know, if we, if we get the ball back, which is, again, why I wouldn't – I kicked it there because there's no guarantee you get it back. Right, right. What, like, why – you just – you're going to win if you can go down and score. Because, it, you know, but, and then again, you could be facing a fourth and 12 from that scenario too. So, it's just really – like, you're not saying you don't have faith in the defense or anything like that. It's just like, okay, well, you know, we've got three timeouts. We go for this where we think we're going to get another shot other than, you know, all right, let's get the field goal here. It's just – Statistically speaking, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think it's just even more maximized because it's Muschamp making the call. And it's just so on oh, yeah. brand. It's so on brand for him to be conservative. And, I mean, what was it last year? Again, And this is a completely different scenario. But what was it last year against Texas A&M? You're down like 31 nothing, and you kick a field goal. I mean, just yeah, it's was... so on brand for Muschamp to be conservative. And it's a defensive-minded head coach perspective. I mean, that, that's that's what a DC would do. An OC would go for it. A DC kicks the field goal, leans on his defense. So, I think honestly, the decision I'm much harder on the decision if South Carolina, if Tennessee just ran the clock out and South Carolina wasn't going to get an opportunity because I was like, well, I mean, it kind of worked. I mean, it kind of worked. Again, you you know what happened happened, but always I I I can I can live with Carolina fans wanting South Carolina to to side on the 
the aggressive side. I get it. I, I mean, I, I always be aggressive. I, I, I can live with that. But I just thought it'd be interesting because, again, I see both sides of it. I, I mean, I, I'm not, like, indicting fans that thought they should have went for it. I, I feel, you know, I'd have been fine with it. I really would have. I just don't think we'd probably get a fourth and 12. It really brings me back, though, speaking of must champ, you know, we've talked offense, defense, we can talk special teams. But what this game really came down to, Alex, in my opinion, was you just made too many small, dumb mistakes to win a football game of this caliber. You, you know, you, you talk about some of the play calls that put you behind the sticks. But when you talk about J.J. and Igbari getting a personal foul, unsportsmanlike conduct when you get a stop on third down. You talk about you get down in the red zone, Xavier Leggett has a false start, sets you up first and 15. There, there, there were just things that happened in this game disciplinary issues, small issues, small mistakes that Carolina made. And again, they're not, they're not huge mistakes in the grand scheme of things, but mistakes you just cannot make and win a football game of this magnitude. No, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's mistakes you would expect mm. uh, from a first-week game. Yeah. And it's just it happened to come against Tennessee this time and not uh, – South Central Louisiana State University. <laughs> coastal if we played them. Yeah, Coastal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're kind of going back to where you're talking about kicking the field goal for just like a last point. The, 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 ultimately, the issue I have with it is you had a third and 15. Yeah. Instead of trying to get yourself closer, you threw a screen pass. So that was the play from – You were, you were being conservative ball. from the third down play. Like you were almost yeah, playing for the field goal. You were you were yeah, playing. We were, we were playing for yeah. the field goal. Yeah. And I don't like. That. So I, in the, I, don't, I, I don't understand what you're gaining or losing yeah. by being more aggressive there. In that regard, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. You, I mean, that's yeah. You you have to. You know, you're down seven at that point. Yes, I agree with you 110%. You have to get. You've got to get more aggressive earlier in the series, so you don't get into a fourth and twelve, or you don't get into even a right. third and fifteen. I mean. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And so that, that's, uh, that's a small takeaway. But then from there, talking about like the small mistakes, I think that's just amplified because of the situation we're in where you're playing an SEC game week one. Mm. Um, you know, honestly, it was pretty clean from a penalties perspective for the most part. I, I was trying to think back. I don't think there was one holding penalty called. I don't think so, honestly. Which there, there, yeah, was, was there really should have been a few. I mean, I remember specifically <laughs> Ernest Jones getting bear hugged trying to get to Jared Garantano, and there was nothing there. So, Not really. um, yeah. but there, there were several. Like I don't think there was any PIs or holding for the entire yeah. game. So they were letting them play. Yeah, which you know is good and bad. But at the same time, you know it, the, the small mistakes that you're talking about is just it seems typical of the first week game, and it just happened mm-hmm. to be Tennessee this year instead of Coastal. For sure. Alex, before I get you out of here, let's talk a little bit about the Florida game upcoming this weekend. Obviously, Gamecocks opening as a three-touchdown underdog. Florida now ranked number three in the AP poll. Um, again, they struggled defensively week one against LSU, but we saw what they did offensively. Kyle Trask throws six touchdowns. Kyle Pitts with a huge day for that Florida offense. I think he's the best tight end in the country. Um, I think one of the big things to watch for South Carolina fans this week is your health. The status of him, he is day-to-day right now with a groin injury. And Muschamp says he doesn't feel it's that serious, but we all know how Muschamp is with injury reports. Who the hell knows? He might be out three weeks. So I want to ask you, even if Paquamu goes, though, I just want to ask you, you know, really quickly, your overall outlook on the game this weekend. I mean, listen, I I don't, you know, I I don't think anyone with any sanity is going to be picking South Carolina to beat Florida. But what are things – I'll ask you this. 
and I posed this question on social media, and I know you would agree with this, that the biggest improvement, you'll hear coaches say, the biggest improvement for a football team comes from week one to week two. That is like where you see the biggest jump for a football team. Where, where is the, the area that you want to see the most improvement on from that Tennessee game to the Florida game this weekend? Flexibility and offensive play calling. I'll just say this now. Like, Florida's going to score. Yeah, And they're probably going to score a lot. (laughs) Right? So, what I don't want to hear or see is any of our coaching staff talking about, we have to do balance, we have to do balance, we have to do balance. Because you and I both know that what most champs don't want to do is control the clock. Mm -hmm. Control the ball. But if we learned anything from the Tennessee game is that's not really our strong suit right. at this point. And so, like, if Florida's going to run up and down the field or they're going to try to run up and down the field, we have to match that. We can't, like, we can't make eight-minute drives and kick field goals. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. got to score. So hey, what, what, what Coach Spurrier used to say, kicking's for losers. <laughs> 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 Hate kicking field goals. Um, Field goals are for basketball. Uh, so, you know, like, looking at it in that perspective, like, I, 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 it is my sincerest wish that we walk into this without any shred or thought in our head, like, we've got to stay balanced. Like, look, if, if anything, from that first week, like, our strength was throwing football around. And so, you know, obviously we've got to integrate other guys into that system, and I sincerely hope that's what's the focus of practice this week. In that same vein, like we've got to be able to match them going up and down the field. And what I don't want to see is us get in there and try to be conservative and just play keep away from Florida because I don't think we can do that. So if we're trying to give ourselves the best chance to win, the best chance to win is to be as aggressive as possible on offense and not walk in there and be like, we're going to go 35 35. Like that's what I want to see in the fourth quarter. So that is my sincerest wish for this weekend. For sure. Well, Alex, it, it should be fun. Should be a blast. We'll see if South Carolina can pull the uh, pull the big upset. You know, I was talking to somebody else the last time South Carolina went on the road and played the number three team in the country. Well, it was in Athens, Georgia last year and played them at noon as well. And the Carolinas play able to pull off the upsets. So maybe we'll get some magic again, man. It's always a pleasure to talk. Obviously, we'll do it again. Yeah, it's, it's not impossible. It's, it's improbable, but it's not impossible. So we'll see if it happens. We can certainly cover yeah, we can certainly cover. There's no question. We can certainly cover. Hey, good teams win, great teams cover. Hopefully we can cover, be a great team. So, Alex, always a pleasure, man. We'll do it again next Tuesday. Appreciate you as always, my friend. Absolutely, buddy. For sure. He's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.